Section 32 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. The Military, Part 3. Alabama. The Alabama National Guard headquarters began monitoring Hurricane Katrina on August 23rd and actively engaged in discussions with the National Guard Bureau on August 25th. When Katrina became a Category 3 hurricane on August 27th, the Alabama Guard increased staff at the State Emergency Operations Center. EOCs along the Alabama coast for the 20th Special Forces Group, 711th Signal Battalion, and 16th Theater Support Command were opened and manned. When FEMA designated Maxwell Air Force Base as a federal staging area for supplies, the Alabama National Guard sent troops there to help prepare for distribution. Governor Riley declared a state of emergency on August 28th, which formally activated the State National Guard. On August 29th, the Alabama Emergency Management Agency, AEMA, received requests for commodities from Mobile, Baldwin, Butler, and Washington counties and the Alabama Guard took control of all recovery and relief operations in coastal Alabama to include county distribution points. When AEMA requested special boat teams for search and rescue and security, the Alabama National Guard responded. The Guard also performed damage assessment tasks. The Alabama National Guard had developed mission-specific force packages for emergencies like hurricanes, snow and ice storms, and chemical and biological attacks. These force packages include security forces, engineers, medical, communications, and logistical equipment, and trained personnel. The Alabama National Guard deployed approximately 750 soldiers and airmen within Alabama, but also provided 2,000 soldiers to locations in Mississippi and Louisiana in response to immediate EMAC requests for support on August 29th and 30th. Mississippi on August 29th, in the Rear Area Operations Center in Jackson, it was recorded that the Mississippi National Guard had activated 2,736 Army National Guard soldiers and 1,003 Air National Guard members to provide security, search and rescue, and debris removal operations. In his testimony before the Select Committee, Mississippi Adjutant General Harold A. Cross made the following observations. During and immediately after landfall, National Guard search and rescue operations began on the Gulf Coast. My personnel night ground reconnaissance on the 29th and aerial reconnaissance early the next morning clearly revealed a disaster of unprecedented proportion all along the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and significant damage as far as 150 miles inland. After reporting this initial surveillance to Governor Barber, I immediately directed my rear operations center to activate all remaining available Mississippi National Guardsmen and to execute the movement of pre-planned assistance from other states. In addition, I requested assistance through the National Guard Bureau from other states, up to division size strength. Accordingly, the 4,533 Mississippi National Guard soldiers and airmen were ultimately augmented by 11,839 National Guard personnel from 36 states under EMAC agreements. The Mississippi National Guard personnel on standby at Camp Shelby moved forward after the storm had passed to a scene of unbelievable destruction. Hurricane Katrina was, by all accounts, the worst storm in nearly a century, but Cross was prepared. As soon as the storm abated somewhat, 
Mississippi National Guard personnel deployed from Camp Shelby into the devastated Mississippi coast to provide security, search and rescue, and debris removal operations. Even so, Cross recognized his own resources would be insufficient to assist along the whole coast of the state, and he needed help from the National Guard of other states. In that regard, General Cross said, EMAC agreements negotiated with 40 states creating a division-sized force within 96 hours eliminated need for Title X forces. The first out-of-state National Guard units to arrive in Mississippi were units from Alabama. 483 soldiers arrived on 30 August, with an additional 359 soldiers arriving on 31 August. This Alabama National Guard force consisted of combat engineers, military police, security forces, and communications assets. Their quick response was due to the fact that the Alabama National Guard was already postured to respond to Katrina in the event it impacted Alabama. The personal relationship between the adjutants general of the two states allowed for the rapid response of forces. The initial requests for assistance from Cross were through personal relationships with other state adjutant generals. General Bloom held a video teleconference on August 31st to solicit assistance from each of the 54 states and territories for both Louisiana and Mississippi. States responded rapidly to the urgent need and decided to worry about the authorizing paperwork later. In most cases, EMAC documentation followed after individual states provided the assets requested by Louisiana or Mississippi. As noted earlier, all National Guard troops were retroactively placed in Title 32 status on September 7th by Deputy Secretary of Defense, England. Out-of-State National Guard Support in Mississippi Through EMAC Process Alabama 1,500 security forces, 7 tactical planners and engineers, 2 CH-47s with crew for S and R, 2 UH-60s with crew for S and R, 300 sleeping bags and 80 cots, Engineering Brigade, MP Battalion, 1,450 personnel for TF, 37 personnel from Air Refueling Wing, CBCS Communications Support, Ministry Team, Ground Safety Manager, EMEDS Personnel, Arizona, Family Assistance Personnel, Medical Support, Arkansas, 100 Soldiers, MP Company, 25 Heavy Trucks with 75 Soldiers, California, Fire Team, Aircraft Maintenance Personnel, Medical Support Personnel. Colorado, MP Company, 50 Signal Company Personnel. Delaware, MP Security Company, 100 Personnel to Assist Command and Control, EMEDS Personnel. Florida, 4 UH-60s, Rescue Teams, Infantry Battalion, 50 Ambulances with Crew, 15 Cooks, OH-58 with Crew, Logistics Aids, Safety Personnel, Aircraft Maintainers. Georgia, 2 UH-1s, 2 CH-47s with crew, 1,500 Task Force Personnel, Fire Vehicle, Cable Copper Repair Personnel. Idaho, Refuelers. Illinois, Security Forces, EMEDS Personnel, Public Health Personnel. Indiana, 2,300 Soldiers, 4 Tankers. Iowa, Medical Support Battalion. Kansas, Air Refueling Personnel, Emergency Medical Teams, Guard Firefighters, Ministry Team, Internist, 25 EMEDS Personnel and Supplies. Kentucky, 50 Heavy Trucks with 150 Soldiers, 24-Person Refueling Team, Food Service Personnel, Medical Preventative Medicine Personnel, Communications and LNO Personnel, Water Purification Equipment with Operators, Ministry Team, Medical Personnel. Maine, 
preventative medicine team, cable repair personnel, security personnel. Maryland, MP Security Company, 104 personnel for S&R and ice and water distribution. Massachusetts, medical officers. Michigan, MP Security Company, construction engineers, EMEDS personnel. Minnesota, ministry teams, mental stress team, medical support. Missouri, two C-130 aircraft with crew, medical personnel. Montana, public affairs team. Nebraska, security forces, priest, ground safety manager, ARW personnel. New Hampshire, EMEDS personnel, bioenvironmental personnel. New Jersey, medical support personnel, bioenvironmental personnel. New York, two UH-6s, two CH-7, six UH-1 and 130 personnel. Rabbi, EMEDS personnel. North Dakota, water purification equipment with operators, 72 personnel from fighter wing. Ohio, 119 soldiers for debris removal, etc. 1,300 task force soldiers, aviation assets, generators, 30H58 with crew, aircraft maintenance personnel, food service personnel, EIS management team, tactical support personnel, EMEDS personnel, air wing personnel. Oklahoma, 25 personnel, air mobility, fire vehicle, medical support personnel. Oregon, Chief of Safety, Medics, EMEDS personnel. Pennsylvania, SATCOM with personnel, AVC ATS company, food services, medical support personnel, EMEDS personnel. Puerto Rico, Air Wing personnel. Rhode Island, units to load and unload aircraft. South Carolina, bioenvironmental engineer. Tennessee, ATS Co. with Tower, TTCS, 3MP Security Companies, Fixed Wing Support Teams, Engineering Battalion, Logistics Control Cell, Mobile Emergency Operations Center, EIS Teams, 26 Personnel from Air Refueling Wing, Aviation Assets, Forklift Loader, Fire Vehicle, EIS Management Team, EIS Repair Team, 26 Security Personnel. Utah, Ministry Teams, Vermont, Bioenvironmental Personnel. Virginia, 447 Light Infantry for Security and Recovery, EMEDS Personnel. West Virginia, Airlift Wing Support. Wisconsin, EMEDS Personnel. Wyoming, Medical Support, Bioenvironmental Engineer. Cross also coordinated closely with all other state entities involved including the Mississippi Department of Public Safety, in order to maintain a coordinated law enforcement effort. Cross noted that coordination between guard engineering companies with various utility companies to clear roads and restore electricity and phone services was instrumental in getting power restored to the majority of coastal counties well in advance of projections. The National Guard provided immediate and continued support to the people of Mississippi during Hurricane Katrina. National Guard accomplishments included 3,900 miles of roads cleared of fallen trees and debris, 1.2 million meals ready to eat, MRE, and 1 million gallons of water delivered via air, over 2,000 missions, 39 million pounds of ice, 56.4 million gallons of water, and 2.7 million MREs distributed to central distribution points in 37 counties, 
two hundred presence patrols, and more than six hundred search-and-rescue missions conducted. Law enforcement assistance provided, resulting in seventy-two arrests. Aircraft logged over 1,995 hours and delivered 2.57 million pounds of cargo. Emergency medical assistance from the Air National Guard assisted hundreds of Mississippi citizens. Department of Defense Response The day after Katrina made landfall, England led an early roundtable session to get damage assessments for DoD facilities and review resources that may be required of DoD to support hurricane relief. The Secretary of Defense was briefed on DoD's response, and Northern Command issued several more alerts in anticipation of requests for assistance. While Honoré arrived on Wednesday, August 31st, as the commander of the newly established Joint Task Force Katrina to supervise federal military operations, the first active duty Navy and Air Force personnel arrived in Louisiana late Thursday, September 1st, and active duty Army personnel started to arrive early Friday, September 2nd. These active duty personnel helped the Louisiana National Guard and the New Orleans Police Department, NOPD, control the crowds during the evacuation of the Superdome, maintain law and order in the streets, and eventually conduct secondary searches, going door-to-door -door looking for survivors or bodies and assisting those who had not yet escaped. The support provided by DOD was invaluable, according to a wide variety of officials. DOD active-duty forces were involved in search and rescue, but generally after the initial rescues from roofs by helicopters and boats. They were involved in the more deliberate search activities where mixed teams to include National Guard, Law Enforcement, Coast Guard, and DOD worked together going house to house and searching for holdouts and dead bodies. DOD also took over FEMA's logistics distribution functions. According to FEMA Acting Director for Response during Hurricane Katrina, Edward C. Buikema, FEMA initially approached DOD about this mission on Thursday, September 1st. On that date, Colonel Richard Chavez informed FEMA Acting Director of Operations Ken Buris the request would require a Secretary DHS to Secretary DOD call to initiate and significant General Counsel input. The formal mission assignment was prepared the next day at 6.15 p.m., and by 7.41 p.m., McHale informed DHS Deputy Secretary Michael P. Jackson that SecDef agreed to support your RFA for broad logistics support and that DOD was working on the specific language and a planning staff to implement it. Execution of the mission apparently began the next day, September 3rd, according to written orders signed by Principal Deputy Secretary of Defense for Homeland Defense, Pete Verga. In the same email to Jackson, McHale also said, We may actually be able to do more than you have requested. This apparently led to further meetings and, according to McHale, an additional seven approved mission assignments on Monday, September 5th. Although Buikema and his FEMA colleague, Deputy Director of Response Michael Lauder, expressed their view that DOD acted slowly on the logistics request, the record reflects a prompt decision, followed by final resolution of details involving a billion-dollar mission assignment. FEMA officials' perception of a slow response from DOD reflected that they were, one, unaware of the planning already underway, as reflected in McHale's email, before final details were resolved, and, two, possibly an unrealistic expectation that acceptance of such a massive mission would result in immediate action. This was not, however, just a single airlift of needed supplies. It was planning and execution for the procurement, transportation, and distribution of ice, water, food, fuel, and medical supplies in support of the Katrina disaster in Louisiana and Mississippi. This is not to say that all went smoothly with DOD support. For example, DOD apparently refused to allow the shipment of MREs on FEMA-provided transportation. The Defense Logistics Agency, DLA, apparently claimed DLA could only ship MREs on DOD-approved carriers, and DLA would arrange transportation within the next 28 to 48 hours. 
the september fourth email lamenting this problem ended send mres now finding the coast guard's response saved many lives but coordination with other responders could improve on august twenty ninth the day katrina made landfall the u s coast guard sector new orleans incident management team was stood up in alexandria louisiana outside of the forecasted area of impact coast guard disaster assistance teams from ohio kentucky st louis pittsburgh and miami were prepositioned to the region to respond as soon as conditions permitted during normal conditions there are fifteen helicopters assigned within the eighth coast guard district along with four fixed-wing aircraft and sixteen cutters within hours of hurricane katrina's passing the coast guard surged thirty-one cutters seventy-six aircraft one hundred thirty-one small boats and over four thousand personnel into the affected areas the first coast guard rescue occurred within a few hours after the storm made landfall an hh sixty five helicopter working out of the coast guard's air station new orleans located at naval air station belchasse rescued two adults and one infant operating in sixty knot winds on august thirtieth all prepositioned coast guard aircraft began conducting search and rescue missions damage overflight assessments and logistical support and the medium endurance cutter decisive arrived offshore to conduct damage assessment of oil platforms to maximize the number of missions that could be flown all of the helicopters refueled at the air station new orleans which was also in charge of coast guard air asset coordination when crew changes were to occur the mobile based aircraft would return to mobile tasking orders such as directing a helicopter to pick up a particular group of people were provided when the aircraft was located at a base as well as any time communications were possible nevertheless specific tasking orders were not necessary in the initial days after the storm because of the large volume of survivors throughout the region helicopters were able to rescue people without needing instructions search and rescue communications communications were limited in many respects vital communications infrastructure was destroyed by the storm and it was not possible for the aviation training center or air station new orleans to communicate directly with the operations centers in the rescue area nor could the emergency operations center eoc in baton rouge be contacted when aircraft left their base in mobile communication was limited to aircraft to aircraft transmissions pilots were unable to speak with the aviation training center when aircraft flew over new orleans communication was possible with task force eagle the national guard command center for air operations at the superdome and occasionally with air station new orleans air station new orleans lost all power and telephone lines were inoperable when power was restored however it was intermittent at times and continued to limit communications by five p m on the first day of rescue operations communication became more difficult because of the large volume of radio traffic in the area boats were able to communicate via limited range low-level radios but these did not afford continuous coverage for airborne assets on monday august twenty ninth a coast guard c one thirty arrived to provide communications assistance it could occasionally patch air communication to landlines if operational in st louis missouri and alexandria louisiana where sector new orleans had set up operations for the first three days no air traffic control was available and pilots relied solely on internal pilot-to-pilot -pilot communications and standardization of training to maintain order in the airspace the coast guard practice of standardization allowed for easy communication between pilots who had never flown together before and this proved to be critical to the success of search and rescue missions in the first days without air traffic control a u s customs and border protection p three aircraft arrived four days after landfall to provide air traffic control and ground communication 
On the day of the storm, helicopter crews monitored weather reports to determine locations in the region where the weather would permit them to begin rescue flight operations. Subsequently, crews proceeded to areas located at the edge of the storm. The first rescue occurred in 60-knot winds in Port Sulphur, Louisiana, at approximately 3 p.m. One helicopter flew to Air Station New Orleans to drop off three personnel to clear the field of debris, activate the generators, and permit operations to resume at that location, while others conducted rescues in Grand Isle, Louisiana, and St. Bernard Parish, Louisiana. At approximately 5 p.m., Coast Guard helicopters from Mobile and Houston began rescuing people in New Orleans. At that time, the Coast Guard only rescued people from immediate danger and brought them to higher ground because of the tens of thousands of people in immediate danger and the limited fuel capacity of each helicopter. In case of people with medical conditions which required treatment, helicopters transported them to the Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport, New Orleans Airport. Central drop-off locations were not set up until the next day, when large areas that were dry and close to operations were able to be identified. End of section 32.